2: alone on a desert island with a tribe of hungry cannibals who think you are a god, a tribe of natives who would eat you rather than let you escape.
3: Escape. Produced and directed by William N. Robeson, and designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure.
2: Tonight, we escape to the South Seas and a cannibal kingdom in H.G. Wells' famous story, Jimmy Goggles, the God. doubt you'll remember anything of the ocean pioneer. Though so a bit of the story that came to public knowledge made headlines in the newspapers at the time. Blimey, now that I think of it, it's been over 40 years ago it happened. 40 years. And betimes times yet I can still wake up in the middle of the night and see that cold, dead eye of Jimmy Goggles staring at me from the darkness. It gives me the creeps even now. It all started the night the Ocean Pioneer went to the bottom of the Sonic Coast. Only two survivors, aside from myself, came out of that wreck: Mr. Sanders, the first mate, and a seaman named Jacob. And with a bit of luck, we had enough food and water in the longboat to see us safe to Papua. Give away, Dad. Three nights of will put us on dry land again. Aye, right, it is lucky men we are this time. All right, just runs our time here, Jacob. As it were for Captain Wells and ten of the lads back there. Why, under 20, fair of a and green water they are. Ain't all that's laying back there either, lads. You meaning something like that, Mr. Saunders? Does either of your lads know the cargo we carried? Aye. Copper, mostly, and some spices. Not that. Not. At Guinea, we shipped aboard a chest full of gold dust. Worth 40,000 pounds. Thousands. Oh. How? I wondered about that chest at the time, Mr. Saunders. That chest is still back there, lad. In Captain Wells' cabin. Aye. Twenty fathoms down. That'll be a nice bit of work for the salvage company. Not necessarily. Eh? What is it you're meaning to say? I'm the only man alive in all mm-hmm. ship's position when she sunk. So you are. Go on, Mr. Saunders. I suppose, Now, when we get to Papua. We
4: give report, ships struck a hundred miles or so to the north. Then the salvage ship goes there, we come here and pick up a title fortune
2: for ourselves. And how do we come here? My brother in law has a brig in the Sydney trade. He'll come in with me. Well, Lance, are you in or are you out? 40,000 pounds. I'm in. Aye, 40,000 pounds. A blooming fortune there for the taking. Of course, we went in on it. Back in Papua, Saunders made the arrangements with his brother in law, Captain Ferguson. And a fortnight later, we set forth in the brig, Pride of Banyard. There were just the four of us in the diving suit. It was one of them kind of diving suits that don't have a pump or airline carried its own tank of compressed air attached so you could walk around on the bottom independent-like. We hung the suit on the wall in a mess room and, believe me, it was some bright times we enjoyed besides it during the three weeks the pride of Banya beat into towards Tana channel. We'd wonder how long it'd be before we'd get there and what the salvage ship might be finding a hundred miles away from the wreck and all the time acting like we hadn't a care in the world. And... That confounded diamond suited sway back and forth like a regular human being it would. And the glass window in the front staring like a big eye in the middle of its fat copper head. We got so we'd talk to it like it was somebody. We even give it a name. Jimmy Goggles, we called it. Jimmy Goggles. And every time we'd break open some rum, we'd pour a glass or so into Jimmy Goggles. So by the time we got to Sonna. That are smelling rubbery, as insides was as sweet as a casker rum. When we found the place, we was afraid to take the brig into the rocks where the wreck was lying. So we anchored about half a mile off and all of us rowed to it in the long boat. Aye, it's still there, all right. I can see the tip of one of our masts above the water. Devil take the mast There's a fortune below, Armand. then. in. Oh, oh fear. To be there, lad. Uh, better the a bit. Hey, is it still agreed? Uh, I'm the one to go inside Jimmy Goggles and make the first slip down. Aye, George. It's what we decided. Uh, it's Easy now. Uh, now, on to I can't say I envy you none, George. Back to yours, now. Easy. There. Got a line around the mast. Keep us from drifting. Better get into that diving suit, George. Right away, way, Captain Ferguson. Aye. Just as happy it ain't me that's going down. Huh? Yes. Why not take it's it? Behind. What are you talking about? It'll be cold It'll be and dark, dark down, down there at twenty <laughs> fathom. It it might be sights, ain't good for a man to see. In the dark and alone. <laughs> <laughs> Jacobs, you wander on like an old woman. I reckon the look of forty thousand pounds will cure a heap of other sights. I'm ready, sir. Except to secure the faceplate. Good.
3: You know how to operate the valve? Aye, sir. Then turn on the air. George. Hmm?
2: You'll find the chest in Captain's cabin. Move it if you can, or see about the chances of getting a line on it. Right, jo. And good luck. Aye, good luck. Good luck. Well, cheerio, we lads. I closed the little glass window in my helmet and fastened it. Then I edged toward the stern. Saunders was saying something, but I couldn't make out what it was. We didn't have no ladder, so I slid over the stern and hung there by the gunnel for a minute with the helmet out of the water. I took a last look at the light of day, and, and I let go. Slow it was. I sunk down through that green water. The only sound was the air a out of the helmet valve. That valve, you understand, was the only way you had of control on the descent of old Jimmy Goggles. If you opened it up, down you'd go. If you clamped it fairly tight, the suit would get full of air and up you'd pop as fast as a man had cared to. Full five minutes or more it took to sink that 20 fathom. Them ghostly sea ferns went slithering past like snakes and big purple and red clumps of jagged coral. The light from the surface getting dimmer and dimmer. So, as by the time I hit bottom, it was pretty near dark. I was happy to find myself come right down on the deck of the old ocean pioneer. Ah, and a familiar sight she was, saving for the crabs skittering around her planks, the bloomin' fish swimming past my head and goggling in through the window of my helmet. I made my way to the deck cabin. Right before the door, I stumbled onto a blinking skeleton, lying there on the deck, as peaceful as you please. Judging by the gold braid still hanging on it, it had been old Captain Wells himself. Though so there weren't enough left of it now to make a decent meal for an hungry guppy. Bob Duran, I, very gentle when I touched it, and all the time was wearing an horrible green on its bony face. like to give a man the shivers. Tell you certain, I got through the business down there as quick as I could. Found the chest of gold and figured out the best way to get a block and line on it. But even so, it must have been an half hour before I clamped the air valve and started for the top. Halfway up, something hit my helmet and slid on down past. I found myself looking right into the blooming face of First Mate Saunders. His mouth was hanging open, and a kind of pink smoke was drifting out of it and making a cloud in the water. I saw he had a spear run through his neck from one side to the other, and he was dead on the mackerel. He sunk on past out of and Then Jacob drifted down from above. And I could see his head was all twisted to one side like and his neck was broken. He was dead, too. Then it hit me. The left on top had been massacred by a boatload of them blooming eating savages. And like as not, if I felt my head out, the same would happen to me. Go blind me. I cracked open the helmet valve and shot down toward the bottom. I sat down there on a sunken rock for nigh on to 15 minutes, I guess, trying to figure out what to do. But anyway, a man had looked at it, there weren't but one answer. Finally, crazy as it seemed, I got up and started out to walk ashore. After a while, the bottom began to slope up and it wasn't so dark anymore. Finally, my poked up out of the water. I saw the beach about 50 yards away with dark jungle right behind it. I sloshed on through the water and came out on the sand. Then I opened the faceplate and Jimmy Goggle's dead. and cut off the air from the tank and took a deep breath of the natural kind. That's when I saw them. At least a hundred blinking savages painted up like banshees stepped out of the brush and started moving toward me, slow, beaten soft on a couple of drums and growling low and evil like Well, Georgia, but you're in for it now, I tells myself. Half a mile of underwater walking, and you're still forgetting your bloomin' throat cut. I snapped the face, part partway shut and cracked the air valve a bit. The diving suit swelled up like a blessed frog and I started walking toward them. When I got close, they moved back along two sides of a kind of path, and I walked right down the middle of it. It led back into the jungle, and pretty quickly come out in a little clearing with the grass up, standing in the middle of it. And sitting in front of the hut was an even idol, carved out in coah wood. It was grinning about as hideous as he ever hoped to see. And the idea hit me. I was in a spot. It couldn't be much worse, and maybe it would work. The natives seemed to be awed by Jimmy Goggles already. So I reached out and gave the idol a great push, expecting any second to feel a spear through my gullet. I looked up. Blimey, if them Ethans weren't down on their faces, worshipping like mad. It had worked. Oh, not me, you in the manner of speaking, was Jimmy Goggles with his copper head and his one glass eye, with me inside him. They'd seen him walk up out in the sea, and they figured he was a god. <laughs> Old rum-soaked Jimmy Goggles. A regular bloomin' god. After a while, it began to get on my nerves, so I went inside the hut. They stayed outside and didn't follow me, but they didn't go away, neither. In a couple of hours, it started to get dark, and I was wondering if they meant to spend the rest of their lives out there bowing on the ground. Finally, a tall native, painted up like a circus clown, stepped inside the door and stood there, just grinning like old Satan himself. me if I had me a pistol, my beauty, I'd have you grinning on the other side of your face.
4: Oh, would you now? Huh? <laughs> what?
2: You're thinking mighty bold for a man who's had a lot of luck. That. Uh, the pardon where they mortal, for i smite you with, with light. Oh, relax,
4: whiny. I've been some time around plantations in Papua. Learned hmm? thing or two I did, including English language.
2: Jump oh, in Christopher.
4: What the devil are you doing here? Taking advantage of my simple bedroom. Something
2: else I learned at
4: Papua. My name is uh, Mamala. I'm high priest, witch doctor. Call it whatever you want.
2: Well, I'm happy to know you. Mine's George Herbert, officer of the English brig pride of Banyan. The
4: least Brig,
2: might say. Boys burned it a couple of hours ago. Burned it? What for? Aye. Why was it you attacked us in the first place?
4: Oh, a bit of coal like that once in a while keeps boys feeling joyful like George. It's uh, harmless in manner, sticky.
2: Harmless, is it? Not for my boys at once. Oh,
4: well. What were you diving for out there, uh, anyhow?
2: Pearls. Throw it
4: now, mate. You are looking over that wreck down there on the reef. What's aboard her?
2: All right, Mamela. She was carrying 40,000 pounds in gold dust.
4: 40,000 pounds? No where it is? I. Hmm. We could use 40,000 pounds. Couldn't we, George? I'm listening. We might make a deal. You keep on being the god, and I be your high priest. You can't talk their language, anyways. Between us, will have been eating out of our hands. Meanwhile, we'll figure a way to. Raise cold off the bottom.
2: Gold off? You mean I gotta go on wearing this blooming suit all the time?
4: Only if you want to stay alive. They found there was man inside it. <laughs> I tell you to pieces.
2: Oh, for me, it ain't all that's cracked up to be being a god. At least you're alive, me. Eh?
4: And uh, we'll both be rich.
2: Aye. Are they gonna spend the night out there?
4: They'll be leaving after ceremony. Except for guards of honor.
2: I understand you. Uh, what's the ceremony?
4: Oh, a little piece of business with owner of Briggs. We (laughs) captured him alive, you know.
2: Captain Ferguson? What kind of business?
4: A bit of this, a bit of that. When they get done, they cook him, of course. Cook him? Well, now, you wouldn't expect boys to eat him raw. (laughs) <laughs> Wouldn't be civilized, you know.
2: Uh,
4: see you in the morning, uh, George.
2: Ah, oh, it was pretty horrible, all right. But what with one thing and another, I didn't feel as bad about it as I might have. After all, I hadn't known the captain too well anyhow. Nearly a month went by in mighty uncomfortable fashion. And all the time Mamela was trying to figure some way to get that gold out of the wreck. I was right in with him at first. Then I got to notice and how he was always saying what what he could do with 40,000 pounds. And then I'd kind of remind him we was affers and he'd grin, strange-like. And see, that's what he meant all the time. But I didn't trust him, no, I... And I started stalling every way I could and things stayed about as they were. I kept on being a garden. We couldn't get no proper chance to go after the girls. Then one morning Mamala and most of the tribe went back into the jungle to hunt. I was sitting in the hut trying to think of some way to do for that easy before all he could do for me. When I happened to hear voices outside. I say, now, this is I sneaked a look through the palm's edge. It was an Englishman. Dressed up fit to kill in white canvas shorts and a sun helmet and all. They had a native interpreter all dressed up and walking with him.
4: They're idols. Tribal
2: But it's been
3: turned over. Do they no longer worship? Look here, James. If you
2: step inside, I'll show you what they're worshipping. Come in, come in. Welcome, gents.
4: Christian. Stop that.
2: He's a I've taught you better. Oh, now, take it easy, lads.
3: Nothing but a diving suit, you know. Yes, yes, of course. I... I saw that. Who are you, anyway?
2: Yeah, now, that's not the asking name, seeing as I didn't ask yours.
3: There's no objection to telling you, sir. It's Bender. I'm with the Royal Anglican fluen Missionary Society.
2: No, not really. Se-
3: please, no profanity. Come Might be a slip. How'd you get here? By sailing cutter, down coast of the Ban Kiel Residency. Well, you've had a bit of luck. If the boys were here; you'd be in a proper fix by now. Oh, I dare say we'd be in no danger.
2: No danger, huh? What is it you'd call being cooked like a pork tenderloin? Have they done it to one of my friends? An
3: adventurer, no doubt. But the natives are well aware that if anything happened to me... There'd be a gunboat here from the residency in 48 hours. Oh,
2: that's how the wind blows, is it?
3: It is indeed. And they're out for your masquerading in that diving rig?
2: Aye. To keep from getting myself killed, that's why. The natives think this flanking rubber union's is the regular god. But I see.
3: And you've been paying on their childish credulity.
2: Childish it may be, Mr. Bender, but they've got full grown teeth. Aye, oh, and I've seen them in action.
3: Well, you'll simply have to take your chances because I'm going to expose you. Gee,
2: yeah, now you can't be doing
3: that. Well, if they were to find out
2: I'm a human being, they'd do me in for fair. Well, I'll help you as much as I can, but you should have thought of that before you tried exploiting them. But, but, but you, you can't let it happen to a fellow Englishman. Then why don't you leave now while they're away?
3: You'd likely be able to get aboard the ship that's working a mile or so down the coast. What ship? Some salvage vessel looking for a wreck. Do you think it might have drifted down the channel from the north? Oh, it just might have been there.
2: They might find it. Mr. Bender, i make a proposition. I won't promise anything. But I'll... Listen. Leave here now and sail down the coast a ways and stay till night four. Then come back as soon as it's dark and I'll let you expose me to your art's content. fact, <laughs> like you might say, Mr. Bender, I'll even welcome it. nothing else to do. If that salvage ship found who I was, I'd be in it for good. They'd know by now that we'd filed a false report about the position of the wreck so we could get the gold for ourselves. Uh, they'd put me in the brig for sure. And if I tried to leave with Bender, he'd turn me into the first British resident we'd come across. Ah, I had no chance at all at the 40,000. And if I stayed here, luck is not, I'd end up parcel amongst a hundred and stomach. But I had one chance of showing that blinkin' Mamela as how he weren't the only one that knew a thing or two. I finally took Bender into leaving and then about dusk, Mamela and the boys came back.
4: Understand that uh, nosy man, Bender, was snooping around here this afternoon, George. know anything
2: about him? Bender, eh? Oh, that's who it was. I saw him prowling around the clearing, but he didn't come inside the hut. I'd have given him what for if he had.
4: It's a good thing he didn't. The plastic using, always interfering with established customs of the people.
2: Like uh, witch doctors, eh, Mamela?
4: God, too, (laughs) George. He'd do for you quick and he would be.
2: Uh, uh, Why don't the boys just
4: eat it? No, no, no. That would be too dangerous. He'd be missed and they'd send gunboats.
2: Not still around here somewhere, is he?
4: No. Women say he sailed on
2: south. Good. I'd just as leave not meet him face to face.
4: <laughs> it was for him with uh, that face you're wearing. Aye, and
2: I'm nigh under being fed up with wearing it. Uh, of me, auntie. Make your proposition.
4: Hmm? What uh, kind of proposition, George?
2: Why don't you take over being gone? And uh, what would you be doing if that happened? Oh, leave me some food and water in one of the boats, and as soon as it's dark, I'll cut and run for it. It'll be easy for you to get the gold that way. Aye. And you can have the old 40,000. George, generosity embarrasses me, George. Anyways, uh, supposing I was up and die suddenly, how'd you explain my body to the boys?
4: I have been thinking about that, but I hadn't figured it out yet.
2: I was wondering if you hadn't been.
4: <laughs> you know we we'll thing or two, don't you, George?
2: Enough to know you weren't going to share with me unless you had to.
4: Frankly, you're right. This may be the best way. I'd have my little brethren right
2: under my thumb.
4: you out of my way with no need for explanation. All right, George. I'll keep the boys away from the clearing so you can make your break. Both be ready in half hour. <laughs> Good <laughs> luck.
2: Working out just as nice as you please. (laughs) I made my break, all right, but I wasn't heading for any boats. No, sir, not me. Leastwise, not yet. I hid myself in the jungle at the edge of the clearing. Then I waited. (laughs) After a while, them savages started drifting back into the clearing, and Pretty soon, Mamela, all dressed up in Jimmy goggles, came out and sat in front of the hut, the way I'd been doing every night. And the blooming Ethan started in bowing down, all just as usual. I waited a long time before I finally heard it—the commotion starting over at the far edge of the clearing and coming closer. It was Bender and his boy Friday, walking through the crowd to where Jimmy Goggle sat with mammally inside him. The crowd moved aside and let him pass, but you could tell they were just waiting for that one-eyed god of theirs to knock him stone dead. He stopped in front of the hut. All right, and back.
3: Suppose you carry out your part of the bargain and take off that... Get out, you fool! I didn't really believe you were honest. All right, Thomas. Oh, the natives, this is nothing but a
4: man dressed
2: up. Blimey, a friend who didn't jump onto Memelin's and start at the front of the diving suit, and all the time that heathen witch doctor kept trying to fight him off, and it seemed as though Mamala hadn't known how to fasten the helmet properly, because suddenly it stepped back on his shoulders, and there he was. Face them savages knew as well as their own offspring, and they didn't like it even one little bit. Aye, they'd been taken in by one of their own town boys, so to speak, and they weren't for having any. They didn't arm Bender none, but they shoved him off to one side. They made one grand rush from men, and they got it. And blimey, what happened then wasn't
4: downright uncivil.
2: And run for it and tumble into that boat and shoved off. I couldn't help but feel a bit sorry for old Memler, though it wasn't as if he hadn't eaten his own share of human beings. And of course, he certainly wasn't a man who could be trusted at all. Well, it was a long time after. For I heard how Mister Bender made that. Seems as though he couldn't get them blues and bloomin' to listen to him at all. Then one day he hit on the idea of climbing into that diving suit, and from then on he had a crowd around every time he'd open his mouth. Far as I know, old Jimmy Goggles may still be down there, Summers, with his battered copperhead, and his rummy smell and his. One glass eye, you may still be doing business. Right down there at the same old.